You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 486. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our journey with the Prime Video series, The Peripheral. And we're recording a little bit early tonight because our Ravens are on Monday Night Football versus those dastardly saints. <laughs> I don't know if they're dastardly or not. but Yeah, uh, I mean, they're probably more or less dastardly than any other football team, but yeah. you know, they're the enemy tonight. They are. I usually don't mind the New Orleans Saints. Nah, nah, me either, me either. But uh, anyway, uh, we haven't thanked our patrons for quite a while. Fred from the Netherlands, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, and Mike. We appreciate your support through Patreon. And as always, we appreciate anybody that downloads the podcast and listens to it. So, uh, you know. uh, You know what we should do from now on? Like, I don't know, are you – you might be too old to. I can't. Oh my god, I can't even remember what the show was. Yeah, but it was I'm a show old. like a kid show, and at the end, they had like this big, like, circle with a handle. It's like a mirror, but it had nothing in it. It was like a big, like you know, things just to make bubbles, like big bubbles. You know, uh, that doesn't sound familiar. <laughs> or maybe it's a magnifying. Actually, I think it's a big magnifying glass. And she would look through it, and she'd be like, "Romper, bumper, stomper, boo! Tell me, tell me, tell me, do." And then she would like read a bunch of kids' names, you know. Well, it sounds like Romper Room. Romper Room. There you go with yes, uh, Rhea Fiken, who's yes. you know still on uh, the PBS channel doing the fundraising. So really, uh, yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. So I mean, we would my sisters and I would like jump up and down in front of the television because we like thought she could actually see us, and we were like, "Call my name, call my name, call my name," you know, and then. Like when they did, we would flip out, you know, like, ah, she said Wade, she said Wade, you know. Yeah, bitch never called my name, but. Ah, she must have said David. <laughs> yeah. I think there might <laughs> but, have been. Uh, anyway, yeah, so maybe we could do a little romper, bomper, stomper, boo. There you go. Yeah. I like it. Um, all right, well, let's go with uh, what we're watching, though, next. and uh, I'm watching Romper Room. Uh, well, I just did a season one rewatch of Warrior Nun on Netflix. I've mentioned this show a boatload of times, created by Simon Barry, who created Continuum, Van Helsing, Ghost Wars, follows this group of sisters that form the Order of the Cruciform Sword, and they are warriors tasked with protecting the church's most holy relics, and they fight the forces of evil, both seen and unseen. And the warrior nun carries an angel's halo embedded in her body, gives her superhuman powers, and and the main character is this young woman, Ava, who was a 10-year resident of a Catholic orphanage, and she finds herself with some life-altering decisions to make hero's journey you bet um season two comes to netflix in november so that's all i'm going to say about that and dude i just binged season two of barbarians on netflix okay you watching yeah. it um i i just finished rewatching season one okay it took me uh basically one night yep <laughs> same with season two for me yep Six. so um yeah i'll probably watch a little i don't know if i'm gonna watch any today because i'm gonna be watching the ravens game till 11 but yeah maybe i'll catch a uh an episode at the end of that yeah so if you guys are a fan of vikings the last kingdom you know it's it's a you know certainly it's much later historically than that but it's got the same vibe and you will dig it i guarantee it i think you meant much earlier historically 
Oh, oh, right. Right. This is like 9 AD and the Vikings are like 900. Yeah. Yes. Much earlier. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So let's see. Geography last week. Right. Yeah. You're not, you're, 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 you're hitting zeros on the, oh my God. Uh, the humanities here, Dave. All right. All right. We'll, all, right. We'll all right. Well, uh, what are you watching? Well, not Westworld. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, that'll have to be I, a rant sometime. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm I'm saving it, but you know, on the other hand, like I get it, right? It's very it must be incredibly expensive to make just the actors themselves. Though I heard they're still paying the the cast for season five. Yeah. So like, WTF? Yeah. Like, if I mean that's probably a big chunk of your expenses. Like if you're going to be spending uh, whatever. Yeah. You know, but it's expensive. It was not doing well numbers wise and you know I, I mean i get that's a business decision but on the other hand it just it's just sucks you know it just sucks that there's not more people on board with westworld like not enough people got on board or that gave up on it you know yeah yeah some so. uh people you know in, in our family here uh sci-fi tv rewatch and I think some of them, you know, once they heard that season four was awesome, decided, all right, well, I'll go back and work my way through season three. And and admittedly, three was the weak link, but still good. I thought liked it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so Barbarians went back, what, season one? It was amazing. Yep. So good. Um, Dairy Girls season four. Came out. I haven't had a chance to talk about Dairy Girls in a while. Um, super funny show. Uh, maybe one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. It is so funny. Um, just a group of four girls and uh, the one girl, her cousin, her English cousin, James, who they go to a all-girls Catholic school, but because James would get beat up if he went to the boys' school because he's English, he also goes to the girls' school. He's, you know. Um, and that's just one of a number of like super hilarious things. And I, I, I haven't looked up to see whether season four is the end of the, the series or not. I would, we kind of ended it like it was a, you know, series finale. Um, but I guess they kind of did season three as well. At the end of that, I felt like that, that was kind of maybe the end of it. Um, but it's just following, uh, these girls in Northern Ireland in the, in the nineties, you know, kind of they're in high school around the time of like the, the peace accords and everything. And just, um, the, 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 the political stuff is kind of just shoved to the background. It's just really, really funny. And these, these actors are just absolutely hilarious. So, and the last thing I'm going to mention, uh, I, th- I thought we said we could talk about house of the dragon, but maybe we'll do that next week. Uh, we could talk about the finale. It's been long enough. Like, it's not like it's a hot button issue now, but I finished Strange New Worlds, uh, which was great. And from the last uh, episode, I actually got a recipe from. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those of you who, who've seen it will know what I'm talking about. But yeah, Anson Mount is freaking awesome. I probably said that before. I feel like I said that recently. His Captain Pike is just spectacular. So, so good. And, uh, you know, he's also a really good cook. And so I got some recipe ideas from throughout this this season as well. And I actually made one the other day because we had some leftover pasta. I'm like, oh, I, I saw this thing on Star Trek. And I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, it's, I think it's going to be good. Trust me. So. Sounds good. All right. You ready for some peripheral? 
Yeah. All right. Episode four, season one, Jackpot. Teleplay by Scott B. Smith. Story by Bronwyn Garrity. Directed by Ulrich Riley. And it was released on November 4th, 2022. So, dude, we get a lot of background information, a lot of questions that we've been asking over the first three episodes. And, and, you know, we get some uh, semblance of what actually happened. But, you know, the opening scene with Wilf and Alita and their backstory, we, we see London 2075. And, you know, we've seen these post-apocalyptic series and movies where groups of children are doing what they're doing, scavenging to stay alive because who knows what has happened to the adults in their family, but they see what appears to be a line for free food. And what confused me a little bit is when Wolf goes out to investigate, he throws something that looks like it hits you know, a force field. But then the image of the food line seems to have disappeared. Yep. So was this just a digital mirage yes. intended to entice the children? Exactly. Okay. Okay. And despite Alita's insistence to the contrary that, that he stay there, I mean, apparently they've, known that children are being snatched throughout the city you know i guess times are def- desperate the bigger kid kind of bullies him into going out there and and alita i don't want to say she's powerless to stop him but i think she realizes it would be a you know a futile attempt on her part so but um, yeah right well she, she you know she tells him it's stupid but you know he feels He's not pulling, right? Like the kid tells him, you're not pulling your weight. So he kind of feels that added responsibility. And plus, it's just like, you know, he's probably feeling a little bit of, hey, this is my chance to go out and show my bravado, show my courage and everything. Yeah. And certainly they get snatched by the guys in the yellow hazmat suits. But there's like this thick fog or mist that permeates the air. I guess we could assume that it's not radioactive, but maybe the people that survive are somehow immune to the radioactivity. That seems absurd once I, you know. Well, I mean, you know, you never know. Right. If the earth becomes infused with radioactivity, then in order to survive, people are going to have to develop an immunity to it. Yeah, I guess. And, and, you know, one of the things we talked about previously was what kind of a, an event actually took place and i had said at the time well it probably wasn't a nuclear event because the buildings look intact and all of that but we learn in this episode that catastrophes of all sorts have right. taken place across the globe yeah and there was a nuclear element but it seemed like it was just in, in this place in North Carolina. Right, in the U.S. And again, now, certainly some of the buildings in London uh, in 2075 look like they've been hit by a bomb. I'm making air quotes. So, you know, whatever the, you know, the destructive force. Now, I, I suppose that they could have just broken down from decay and not being taken care of. But, 
it hasn't been that long that I think 21st century buildings would just simply corrode and and fall apart because nobody was taking care of them. I mean, yeah. well, you'd have to think that with all these things that happened, one of the resultant things that is going to be a lot of violence. Yes. You know. Right. So, it might not have been any kind of global multi international war, but there definitely was a lot of people killing each other, a lot of fighting going on. So Yeah, and and we get a pretty good assessment of everything that's happened. And starting with the 2039 power grid blackout in North America, and we never really learn what the cause of it was, at least I don't recall that we did. I, I they just said someone hacked it. Okay, so so who who that was? Is it you know was it the Russians, the Chinese, North Koreans? Uh, I mean, I'm just uh, listing the Mason and Edward. <laughs> yeah, uh, the three top enemies of the U.S. At least you know in our world. But when you think about once the power grid goes down. You know, you mentioned violence and anarchy and, and, you know, once people can't get access to money, to food, to fuel, to, I mean, just everything runs on power. So you certainly can see the impact that would have. And then two years later, the blood plague, which, uh, you know, looks like it, it, it's sort of an Ebola-like virus in which people literally bleed from their pores. And I mean, some of the things I read were pretty damn gruesome, but that wasn't enough. We've got an agricultural collapse, mm-hmm. which, you know, we kind of alluded to when we, we talked uh, about the bees and Sharice and, you know, I think she mentioned something that, that maybe led us to believe that was part of the equation. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the domestic terrorism in the U.S., which uh, if you've been paying attention, guys out there, it's kind of a thing right now in yeah. 2022, unfortunately. And uh, Well, that's the thing about all of these um, apocalyptic events. I mean, th- they said, well, in your time, it's already started. Like, it's already too late. Yep. You know? And not to be a Debbie Downer, but, you know, a lot of the things they mentioned are things that are already kind of in place in our world as well. I mean, that was, to me, was the scariest part of that scene was that I'm just sitting there seeing, oh, oh, crap. You know, like you can completely picture this realistically happening with us. Sure. And 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 part of the well, maybe not part of the the, the biggest reason, as James Carville said the other day uh, on, uh, I don't even remember what channel I saw him on. It's like the problem is you've got a significant portion of the U.S. population that's being willfully ignorant. And how do you reason with stupid? And you know, like here, it's just one thing after another. This cascading effect that then takes us to 2075 London and whatever the hell's going on there. And of course we understand why they then built those huge fans that scrubbers, the scrubbers. So, um, 
Yeah. Well, and actually, what you mentioned, like with the uh, scene with Sharice uh, and Grace, I believe, and the bees, and yeah, you know, I rewatched that episode, and on the third watch, I caught that. I, I guess I had said something where I had thought that um, that she was discussing there had been a number of human extinction events, but she was actually talking about there were a number of bee extinction events. Right, right. Um, but of course, that does mirror as we in this episode that ends up mirroring what happens. Sure, because humans. Right. I mean, the two are inextricably linked. So. Uh we get a little bit more insight into the power structure, at least from Sharice's point of view, where we've got this tripod of power, or, or that's what it seems, uh, of the klept, which are you know, the, these old money family or families that um, I guess are behind a lot, the Metropolitan Police, and then, of course, her research institute. And, and as she builds that little... Uh, house out of toast and i guess her point is that you know the roof will all come crashing down if we don't work together you know what my point is lev actually has someone cut the crust off of his toast as a grown-ass man yeah good point i mean i'm thinking the whole time like damn that toast looks good Um, it does look good (laughs) but yeah you're right i did notice that um but you know and and it's kind of like all right, we'll, we'll just keep talking. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go on my. I have this whole rant about Lev, but uh, we'll continue with what you're talking. about. Okay, well, it, well, well, we'll get to Lev's story in a second. So yeah, you can do it then. Um, we also hear about an immunity boost in 2100 in relation to Alita. I forget who it is that says it. Whether it's Sharice or Lev, I'm pretty sure it's Lev. Okay, who says it to Wolf because he's like, you have to reconcile yourself basically to the fact that she's dead yeah so so what's her and her immunity boost which i assume is the same as everybody's what does it provide an immunity against the virus that we heard about you know the blood plague or radiation combination something that we haven't even talked about and we don't get an answer they just throw it out there so Right. Well, I mean, uh, they told us about the scrubbers before because remember, Sharice asked Daniel, you know, do you understand the scrubbers do? He's like, well, I know they take the CO2 out, you know, and everything. So he doesn't know how it works, but we know that there's a, a major problem with just the the air right. and the environment. So, you know, potentially, well, I mean, there's just so many things that have gone wrong that who knows what the... Uh, the boosters actually for yeah and as we've said about a number of shows that we've covered we don't know what is going on in the rest of the world we only see what's going on in you know the southern east coast of the u.s and london so uh, anyway the uh, other thing that i i started thinking about and we'll talk about flynn in, in a minute does the physical trauma that Flynn's peripheral incurs impact her body in 2032. That's, I guess, the way I'm reading what we're seeing now as, you know, she develops the, you know, the thing with her eye and the things with her hands. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the thing with her hand cramping up like that, 
I don't know if I have a real explanation for it. The the thing is she gets excited talking to her brother and, and, and the bruising around her eye seems to get worse. Yeah. You know, it's almost like, you know, how many of those like those sonic pulses that she may or may not have received have any you know impact on that? So I mean, just throwing that out there. And then lastly. Well, well, I just yeah. like if, you, if I could just comment yeah, on that because yeah. you know we know like how powerful the mind can be, and like people can you know convince themselves that they're pregnant, even men, and experience the actual symptoms of pregnancy, right? So, so the the, the trauma she goes it gets uh, is that's incurred on her in the future, even though it's not actually happening to her physical body. I mean, we get a strong sense that yeah, that that it's really having an impact on her, and, and I I, th- I think what she said sounds very reasonable. That that all those shots that she's taken, everything, even though it's not to her actual physical body, um, it's impacting her mind, and it's you know like her mind is you know like everything that your of your body is controlled by your brain, right? So, yeah. Well, fortunately, she can get a CT scan at the Hefty Mart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the future's looking bright. Um, right, you know, I can go get the, my blood pressure checked to the giant, so yeah, good it's point. not unreasonable <laughs> that uh, in a couple years. Uh, good point. All right, so were you re- surprised that Tommy shows up at the Fisher compound wanting to know why Burton was shaking hands with Corbell Pickett? Uh, no, and I think uh, Tommy really does it the right way, you know, like like he points out, like I'm here as a friend, you know, like, and I'm not as not as a sheriff, as a friend. What's going on? Do you need help? Yeah, and you know, you have to wonder how far they're going to expand this network of awareness. I mean, you know, the, the two guys that work, with her at the 3d printing shop obviously are uh you know have been read into what's going on because they're preventing uh 2100 from you know disconnecting connor connor so clearly they know what's going on at least to a certain extent and and, and as uh, Burton points out, the problem with letting Tommy know, I mean, we've got 12 dead bodies, or however many bodies, he says. I he forget. says, uh, well, I think he says a dozen. Okay. So, which is 12, but I think he was using dozen okay. as a right. general term of more than we should have. Right. So <laughs> what is his reaction going to be? Is he going to go into deputy mode considering the two cloaked vehicles that he finds, the bullet that okay, he got this explanation from Burton about what it is, but I'm not sure Tommy was really buying what Burton was saying at that point. So will he then give his friend, who we assume he's known his entire life, the benefit of the doubt and work with him outside of law enforcement? Or is he going to go full on deputy? It's a big dilemma. I I, I guess I feel like he's going to get read in sooner or later. Look, Didi is a doctor for crying out loud. So, uh, you know, and and, and she, you know, she asked, she asked Burton for something that he can't provide. Like, oh, give me the name of that company for that sim. I want to give them a call. He just said, all right, 
<laughs> yeah, well, he takes the Trump approach, right? Delay and obfuscate. Delay, so, yeah, delay. Some, some people would say that's my best trait. <laughs> um, so, you know, but you wonder, I don't know exactly what kind of tests DD ran on Flynn, but I get a sense that she's going to get the CT scan or whatever, and something is going to blow her mind that she's not going to be able to take no for an answer when when told well i really don't have anything to tell you dr d but you know and i guess i feel like they are going to read tommy in or tommy's going to find out on his own and he's going to become part of the team i mean we don't get the idea that he was part of their unit because we've we've not seen any of the haptic right um yeah, unit so you know why he didn't go well yeah who knows whatever i mean he certainly is in a dangerous job as a member of law enforcement you know maybe well not. he could also be like you know he just might miss his window he seems like he's sure. younger, right he seems like he's flynn's age uh whereas burton and his buddies are a little older so maybe by the time he would have been of an age right it was not a possibility to right to enter the war any longer so you know and, and we've talked about the relationship between brother and sister and and for me it's one of my favorite parts of this entire series just the way they interact with each other the love that they feel for each other the way each can get on the other's nerves at times but none of that matters and we get that really touching scene where he's apologizing for what's happened to her as a result of the headset because it really is his fault if you yeah. if you want to you think of it in those terms and while she certainly didn't have to agree and she certainly could quit at any time we also have learned a lot about Flynn and you know her skill set in, in VR and online gaming and all that and we don't really know why she gave it up i mean there was that line it's it's not the real world or whatever she says well okay that doesn't seem to be enough of a reason so we don't really know why she gave it up but we do know now that she's in future london she's made it clear there's no turning back i'm willing to take the risk at this point and and that's got to be difficult for burton to deal with because he realizes that his sister's making choices and decisions that maybe she shouldn't really be making i don't want to say she's not you know of of sound mind because that wouldn't be true but you know the lore is just too great and right and and, you know connor well obviously connor i mean he is 200 percent in you know yeah like not just the for being able to walk around the future, but also uh, to be able to walk around the future, to be able to walk, yeah, to have hands and, and legs again, you know, yeah, um, you know that he is he is full on in on this, um, and you know there is something to it, obviously that you know Flynn is willing to risk her health in order to keep going back there, so you know there's definitely something very 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 compelling and uh sexy dare i say about 2100 yeah i mean it, it comes down to this personal moral choice and you know as she 
listens to her brother and you, she's a smart woman. She, she understands that what he's saying is true, but then she pulls out the wild card. Yeah, but mom can see. So he can't really argue with that. Right. And, and she knows he's not going to be able to argue with that. And now you mentioned Connor and, and we, we know where this is headed you know, they're sitting in Burton's trailer and he wants to go in to save Flynn from having to go in. And, and, and you know, I we forget, I think, that he's never been to 2100, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it, when it was right, but she was in his body, his peripheral right. the first time. So, it, it, you know, you, you it's easy to forget that. So the pull from him is certainly understandable. But then, like you said, once Connor gets in there, he's like, so I'll have an actual body? Yeah, you will. And Fred mentions in his feedback, how do they realize that it's Connor and not Flynn? And I think for me, immediately you see Flynn or you know Connor slash Flynn peripheral, and he's, he's feeling his legs. And his arm, and, and we immediately know, ah, that's Connor, because he's he, right. he doesn't have legs. And how does Ash know that immediately? Well, yeah, you know, she knows pretty much well, it's you know, the the triple amputee friend of of Burton. So it, it's not as if Ash hasn't done her homework as right, to right. Flynn's well, family. Yeah. And you also get a feeling that, you know, each individual has a identifiable pattern or whatever that she can look at her machine and, and realize like, I don't know if she realized right away that it was Connor, but she knew right away it wasn't Flynn. Um, but probably the giveaway was when he turned around, it was like, who the F are you? Um, that was kind of a dead giveaway that it was no longer Flynn in control. We don't see or hear Connor tell ash about flynn's seizure but uh, uh, apparently he does that and and that was supposed to be the prime directive of that visit to let you know let wilf know what what the problem is and 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 of course that's the scene when wilf has hacked into flynn's home movie sim of halloween and uh that was pretty cool but again i love her reaction because you know she's developing this relationship however we want to define it with Wilf and yet dude this is a private space and and you're not welcome here now once he's there and and, you know the the two of them talk out what you know has happened but here's the thing I don't understand or the thing (laughs) one of a number she tells him she researched him and, and of course didn't find anything but that she researched Lev Zuboff and learns that his entire family, you know, was executed mafia style and all of that. And then later we hear, you know, Wilf explaining that to Lev. And he's like, oh yeah, well, we wanted to see if we could create our own stub and all that. But here's where I'm confused. Okay. The only way that Flynn would, be able to research Lev is in 2032. Well, no, because they're wait, wait, hold on. They're in 2030, so oh, that's 70 years away. Yeah. Um. So, well, you know, I I just assume that maybe like his 
dad or his grandfather's name. <clears throat> well, I did think that. But then he, Lev, that is, seems to imply that, you know, when I think about other versions of me floating around, I, I don't like it. So right. I guess what he does say that. So what I'm getting at is, has he figured out a way to create a stub in the past? I mean, we know. Well, they did. Well, right, they did, but then, then how did he get his family into 2032? I, I guess that's what I'm getting at. So, I don't know. It, no, 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 it's it's just it's his family. Like he, so I mean, so you think it's so, like uh, ancestors? Yeah. Okay. So he's playing out like the you know the grandmother grandfather paradox where. He kills his grandparents' his parents and so that he won't okay. exist. Okay. Or the other option is that he is crazy old, but because of some future stuff, looks pretty young so that he could have actually been alive 70 years prior to where we see it, which I don't think that's it. Yeah. I think he just – this is the time – like we discussed before, like – is there like this only this particular time window where they can create the stub or can they create a stub anywhere? Right. It doesn't seem like he can, right? Because if he wanted to kill, get rid of himself, he'd probably create a stub close to in a time when he would actually be alive. Well, right. But, right. When you create a stub in 2032, why would we think the Lev Zuboff that we know in 2100 would exist in that stub? Well, I'm thinking that he doesn't. Okay. He just kills his okay. parents okay. or his grandparents or whatever. Because, well, and here's the thing. Also, why they're probably going back to the 2030s is that this is, as we saw, just less than 10 years before the first of the, yeah, 2039. So it's like eight, what, what are we, 2032, right? Yeah. Yep. So like seven years away from the first big event of the jackpot, um, you can imagine after the jackpot, civilization sounds like it's kind of breaking down. Probably a lot tougher to find the people that you want to kill after the jackpot starts. So if you want to kill off your family, you got to get them before 2039. Right. And if you have to settle for grandpa and your dad so be it at least you won't be around which is sick yeah it's bad i mean sick like bad sick not sick like the kids say it like which means actually good yeah and 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 then flynn confronts ash about alita's prediction that she'll die in 10 years and now you know we kind of know why that might be and and once she has will you know, lay out the events one by one for, I mean, she doesn't necessarily react to, you know, doing the math, but you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see. She should just go in a bomb shelter and put the headset on and spend the rest of her days in the future. Yeah. Um, I, I love the, uh, you know, the, the gallows humor about why they call it jackpot. Well, it's less pretentious than apocalypse. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that comes up here is that Flynn has promised her brother and Connor that she'll get them bodies. 
and you know she asks Ash, how long does it take you to create them? And we don't get an answer, so we don't know. But I'm I'm guessing that we will see that occur. And I feel like that is definitely going to occur. And that's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, and we will see Burton and Connor in 2100 at some point because I I love their their plan, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, just like in a video game, when you're trying to figure it out, right? Like you're going to die a lot of times. You got to die a lot of times in order to to figure the game out, right? Sure. You, know, you learn like what not to do, and by process of elimination, you eventually figure out what to do, right? And they're going to do that to the future. They're going to game the future that way. Yeah. I think that is freaking awesome. One of the questions we we have, obviously, is what is Lev up to? As we've said before, why is he so concerned with 2032? We get kind of an answer that, and he uses his brother as an example. So we assume he does have a brother that's in the pharmaceutical business, and it enables them to test out drugs on humans without actually having to go through the, the paperwork. So I'm not sure how that works. I mean, you know, if you have a stub, I, I mean, is this like a free for all? There are no laws, no rules. I mean, it doesn't seem to be the case in the the stub in uh, North Carolina. But well, I, I think that's exactly. I think it kind of goes back to um, when Flynn first met Lev. And she said to him, like, we're not real to you, are we? And he's like, are we real to you? You know, like, it's like they, if they both realize that they are, their their prime existence is in a different reality from one another. Right. Then it's like you're not real people. You're just made up people in some other existence. It doesn't impact my time or my, you know, me and mine. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, Lev clearly does not see the people in Stubbs as anything but fictional characters. Yeah. Just as he sees Wolf as he says out loud, a household pet. Yeah. Right. And 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 we do learn that that Lev was paying Alita to explore this stub or you know, maybe more than one stub that you know he's had created so of course he's concerned that alita has vanished off the uh, face of the earth so to speak and I, I guess that's what everything's about for for him a- and then sharice <laughs> you know it, 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 that expression well she sure wiped the smile off his face <laughs> yeah and oh my god that was a great scene you know she builds the as we said the little building out of toast but then when she finally brings up because it's almost as if she senses nah that's not enough it's he doesn't seem appropriately concerned at this point you remember yuri who overstepped Mm -hmm. and then we find out that they've got assembler swarms now are those bees I know they're able to DNA them to death. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, are the bees trained to, you know, seek out DNA? And then, of course, that great, you know, as soon as she gets up, because again, we've seen this how many times? Oh, she's going to grab, you know, a napkin or something that's going to have his DNA. Well, she took the whole damn coffee cup. 
Yeah. With the coffee in it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, she did that pretty quick. That was pretty. That was just like, yeah, I went back and watched it a couple times. I still didn't see when she did it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but he but, uh, he notices, yeah, right? Oh, well, he definitely notices because you know, I mean, now she definitely has his DNA, which means she can definitely kill him whenever she wants to. But yeah, that that, that was a, a really, really, really good scene uh, with two great actors going at it here, and you know they both are formidable threats, right? Because sure. I mean, Liv, Le, sorry, Liv, Lev is a threat to Sharice. Yeah. Right? He's like, if you harm one of us, you harm us all or something like that. Uh-huh. It sounds a lot like what Burton said, uh, you know, the, the week previously about his, all the, the haptics guy, you know? Yeah. He's like, if you kill me, you better, you know, get your affairs in order. Yeah. You know, there is a, you know, we we get a feeling that the the uh, collapse are a very very real threat, and you know, as she, you know, made this, you know, house of toast or whatever, um, you know, showing that if any one of them gets out of line, that the whole house falls down. I mean, well, she's one of those walls as well. Yeah, right. And you know, so but now, do we think she's? out of line now that we realize that you know lev is not some freedom fighting idealist but was just a rich a-hole you know yeah and and certainly we learned that his family you through draconian means helped bring about you know, you know a stable society you know out of the chaos all right fine uh, but i get the idea that the research institute had a hand in that as well so so we'll see i, I mean right it, i mean it's so like you know, there is you know a balance of power that she shows it's just like everyone's got to stay in their lane yep um why not one ring why not two rings two right. rings divides nope. not, not two yep. need three yep so uh or 19 yeah <laughs> yeah um and it, what else that we haven't talked about well flynn going back and watching the home movie uh with her dad we don't really see her dad's face it's just very briefly kind of is turning around so you don't really catch the face really well so i'm wondering if it's going to be like sean connery or something oh <laughs> okay <laughs> you know like oh. he was yeah you know, the robin hood movie at the end he was richard you know. But also, she uh, she has. Uh, you've seen the No Rain video by Blind Melon, right? It's been a long time. It, but the little girl in the bee costume. Oh yeah, 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 yep, yep, yeah. yep. Doing that funky so, dance. I feel like yeah, yeah. I feel like the uh, either the writer, or director, or both were fans of of '90s music to throw her in that bee costume. It was really cool. <clears throat> yeah, really. It's, you know, like I said, like Lev, I think is such a big part of this episode. And not that we thought he was necessarily like a heroic guy, but, you know, we definitely got rebellious freedom fighter vibes from Alita, right? Oh, yeah. Like, no question. We her, we're like, okay, she is doing this to say F you to the system, you know. And now we realize that everything is done not in some kind of, rebellion against the tyrannical research institute but because some freaking spoiled ass rich boy who cuts the crust off his toast doesn't 
has someone else cut the crust off his toes for him, you know, wants to make a couple extra bucks and is doing it at the expense of the lives of people in, you know, in, in these stubs. So it, it's really changes our whole perception. And then, so if Lev is actually the bad guy, then what is Wilf's deal? And is, does that mean Sharice is not the baddie, you know, like, so it, it kind of like, this is kind of throwing a lot of, not that, like, again, not that we really, I don't think anyone really thought that Lev was some pure idealist. I mean, you know, like he's living in luxury while we know others are suffering. So we, we feel like that he's not like a super idealistic person, but now we just find out how, you know, truly horrible he is. In, in addition to being like, you know, kind of like a pervert, like watching his wife dance with Wilf and kind of, I, don't, I wouldn't say getting off on it, but I mean, you know, like, why are you going to do that, man? You know, like. All right. Anything else? Well, and then now we're talking about poor Wilf, you know, like they see him as a pet, right? Like both uh, the wife and Lev are, are toying with him. Yeah, that that was interesting, and and almost like uh, Lev got off watching the two of them together. So you know, does that mean that you know Wilf really doesn't have a lot of agency here? That he's just the handyman for Lev and just does what he wants. And I mean, it's just really condescending, especially when he describes him as the the you know household pet. Right. That was just. Really, right now, in the yeah, first, we, 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 I guess we tend, I tend, well, we knew like that Wolf was definitely subordinate to Lev, but you know, it now we really see it. Well, he was described as Lev's fixer, and and apparently Lev pays him an obscene amount of money. So, yes, he's still subservient, but it, it, it kind of descended to a, a level that we didn't really consider, you know. Yeah. Oh, um, when they're, they're showing the flashback of Alita and Wolf, he doesn't bring enough food. The older kid refuses to let him give him a share of, of the food to eat. Alita wants to share his, but he doesn't want to because he's too proud. And then she says, well, I'll just give it to the mouse. And then you know what will happen. And he's like, well, he's going to want a glass of milk. And that is from a book that we must have read to our kids about 10,000 times called If You Give a Mouse a Cookie. Builds on the premise that if you give a cookie to the mouse, he's going to want milk, and then he's going to want all kinds of other stuff to go with that. It's just this expanding, ridiculous amount of things that the mouse is going to want. So I thought that was a nice little Easter egg, I guess, maybe they threw in there. All right. I like it. Oh, the Daniel robot? I don't think I'm enjoying that. No, hopefully it'll get a little more advanced before we see it in the field. I assume it will, but yeah, yeah I'm not liking it either. I think that uh, might be it. Okay. All right. Except for, well, just one. I just got the handout to Mason and Edward. Yeah, no kidding. My two, maybe two of my favorite characters now. Yep. Um, and the hacker's extraordinary, even being able to uh, outmaneuver Ocean in the futures. All right, well, let's get to listener feedback and hear what Fred's got for us, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Fairy Feral, Season 1, Episode 4, 
Let's start with the grade. It's an A- minus for me for this episode, although I was doubting to give it a B plus, and that is mainly because of there is quite some confusing stuff in it again. And as I said about episode one, that even if the episode is good, when it gets me too confused, it will lower my grade. And last week I mentioned the grade of episode one and two, but forgot to mention the grade for episode three. So it are all A minuses, although the first one I initially gave a B plus and then after rewatching also an A minus. I think it's nice to get some historical perspective uh, on the one side. On the other side, it's quite confusing. So we see that there was a kind of environmental catastrophe and also human beings did things wrong, like letting explode some nuclear rockets, storage facilities, etc. We also see how Alita and Wolfgang are being collected from the streets, actually. As I understood it well, 7 billion people died, so that will say that we only have one-eighth of the world population left. And I really am amazed how London looks like, for instance. So with one-eighth of the people, they did build up uh, the society and the city within uh, 25 years or something like that. I think that's quite amazing. Perhaps you could hear it, but I have a terrible hiccup at the moment, but I will keep recording in the hope that and talking that it will stop. And the other thing is that I have a little bit of stress because then otherwise other people in my house will get up and I really want to have this recording done before noises in the house get out or the church bells will start to ring. Okay, saying so many words in uh, quite a quick pace uh, did help uh, to get rid of my hiccup. What I found confusing, more or less, is actually Sharice, her story with the toasts and the the three sides, etc. Uh, the clamps, I am not completely sure what that is. Kind of military fraction or whatever. I really have to rewatch and perhaps even previous episodes. And then there is that story of Lev Zubov, so the mob boss or something like that. A stub is, I think, an alternative timeline, and he got annoyed by that copies of him would exist in alternative timelines, so he killed his own family and himself, perhaps, in the alternative timeline. That's what I understood, which is quite crazy. It's also kind of pity that I didn't understand the power play between Cherise and him fully, because if you understand the background better, then you even can appreciate that more. But it was played marvelously anyhow. Wilf did appear in Flynn's home video, so that's the way he could communicate with her, and she found it a kind of intrusion and right she is but nevertheless he could communicate with her in that way but that is one of the things she didn't tell for instance Burton again she really doesn't tell him everything well I wouldn't if I see how he sometimes behaves being so bossy uh, towards her actually I'm quite amazed how much she does tell him knowing what kind of control freak he is 
Funny was, of course, when Connor went into Flynn's peripheral and he finally could run again, etc. I really had a feeling that he was exploiting that. I really wondered how the others immediately knew it was him. That they recognized it was somebody else, perhaps, in the Flynn peripheral. Okay, but how did they know it was Connor? Okay, people are getting up and the church bells will ring in six minutes. So that will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. P.S. I forgot to mention two episodes ago was my 250th feedback for Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thanks, Dave and Wayne, for this anchor point in my life every week. Appreciate and enjoy it very much. Bye. All right, so Fred gives this one an A-, minus, but uh, you want to congratulate Fred? Yeah, congratulations, Fred, on number 250. Um, it's awesome, and we've really been appreciating. We, I'm sorry, we do appreciate your uh, your feedback, and keep it rolling, bro. Yeah, you know, I'm curious, Fred, and you probably have this number or could find it pretty easily. I, I wonder how many f- feedbacks Fred has given across all the different shows that that he does follow that'd be interesting i mean he's got to be at 500 or or more so uh anyway yeah fred i'd love to hear that number if you can get that now we've talked about virtually everything fred had in his feedback i I guess the one thing that i would bring up whether or not flynn should be more open with her brother about what she knows she she does tell him things, but she doesn't really tell him everything. So I'm not sure whether that's a good idea. I don't feel it's as if she doesn't want to read him in that, the, you know, this is my world. Uh, I'm the one taking the risks. We don't get that idea at all, but she's going to need help. And and while certainly she's getting help, I think she's going to need more. And maybe that'll be like we said once Burton and Connor get their bodies, then I think the whole dynamic will change in 2100. Right. And what we can see, I mean, if she had heard that conversation between Sharice and Lev, she would not be impressed with with Lev, you know? So it's only a matter of time before she kind of figures out what he's really got going on. And and they're obviously are not going to be down with that. All right. Well, Fred, thank you for the feedback. Uh, glad you're enjoying the show. Uh, you know, A minuses across the board. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really digging this show. I'm, yeah, not that I'm like surprised, yeah, William Gibson, but you never know how it's going to be handled by the writers and the showrunners. So, so far, so good. Hopefully it will yeah. get picked up for a second season. I guess we, I guess we should wait to see what kind of resolution we get at the end, whether we need a second season, but we shall right. see. Yeah. Well, right. That's, that's the question. Like it's just even supposed to go more than one season. Cause it's, it's not like a series of books, right? right. It's just the one. Right. All right. Well, we will leave it there. That will do it for this episode of sci-fi TV rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about the peripheral Anything going on in your genre TV world, check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. Sci-Fi TV Rewatch at gmail.com is the way you can reach us. We'll be back next week to talk about episode five of The Peripheral. But until then. You know, in addition to Fred's 250th feedback, we hit 
another landmark in this podcast, Dave. And what was that? The truth, twice in one conversation.